Hello everyone, welcome to my show, Career Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight purpose-driven Asian leaders making an impact. And this is your host, Priyanka Komla, joining you on our 106th episode of Career Leadership Podcast. We truly appreciate each one of you for your feedback and support that has brought us all along in the storytelling process. So super excited to have another interesting guest on our show. And as a quick reminder, follow me, Priyanka Komla, and a Career Leadership Podcast page on LinkedIn to receive our LinkedIn Live notifications. We go live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern to bring some of the best Asian stories into the spotlight. For those who are watching us, us on YouTube, do give us a like and subscribe so you get notifications. And to all our podcast lovers hearing this on any podcast streaming platform, follow us and give us a review and rating to help us understand how this podcast is helping you become a better version of yourself. Without further ado, I have a special guest who's going to talk about finding opportunity in chaos. My special guest for the day is Stephen Kwong, who is joining us from San Francisco. Hey, Stephen, welcome to the show. Priyanka, how are you? Happy uh, Easter for all those that are celebrating Easter today. Really excited to be on your show and thank you for having me as a guest. That's awesome. I love Easter eggs and, you know, the, the egg hunt, you know, that keeps us going and be more childlike in our life. So thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, Stephen. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So to our listeners, Stephen Kong is a fintech startup entrepreneur. He's a co-founder and CEO of Kurakabi, which is a leading integrated payments and business platform for schools of all sizes. He's a thought leader in operations and process management and has been featured in national media, including New York Times, CNN and Forbes.com and now on Career Leadership Podcast. How does it feel being on this whirlwind of always being on spotlight as an entrepreneur? Uh, well, thank you. I'm, I'm humbled by your uh, nice introduction of me. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, on one hand, I, I love um, representing our company and what we're doing. Uh, but then on the other hand, um, you know, it becomes challenging every day to try to maintain everything and keeping everything balanced. As you know, as a, as a startup entrepreneur, uh, as a business operator, things are always changing. So um, it's almost like for every one or two steps you take forward, you kind of have to take one step back to reconcile and, and rethink and recalibrate. So um, that's the life of an entrepreneur. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And we have a lot of other facets of Stephen that I'm going to explore and unveil in this podcast. So I'm super excited. And for our listeners who are joining this on live or on replay, please drop in a quick hello and the country that you're tuning in from. One lucky listener is going to get a free one-on-one -on -one with Stephen himself. You know, what better way than get a giveaway in every single episode of ours? So Stephen, something that's very fascinating about you before I go into your you know, journey from Vietnam into uh, to the US, you are fascinated by astrology. You know, that's something that was very <laughs> intriguing about you. And, you know, I was very intrigued because, you know, as a startup entrepreneur, you're always data driven. You're talking about analytics, numbers. How, do, how did you pivot into astrology and how is that helping you as a startup entrepreneur? Oh, wow. Thank you for uh, for raising that. So I don't know what it is. Ever since I was a child, I've been fascinating with, fascinated with the occult and with um, ancient traditions and how people make meaning of life and meaning of relationships through something that's greater than, some, uh, maybe a higher power, a spiritual power. I don't know what it is. But those things are very um, grounding for me. So, um, you know, I've always kind of, 
you know, kind of as a kid, just sort of went through the uh, various uh, astrology media and just kind of like picked at it and had fun. But I think, um, interestingly enough, because of COVID, we were like in an isolated environment. So I had a little bit more time to just dig deeper into it. So I will say the last 18, 22 months, I've been really fascinated by it and spent a significant amount of time on my off hours just studying it. And it's been it's been fascinating, very, very fascinating. And uh, I can I can use some of that to, to relate to um, some of my colleagues, my friends, and it just helped me um, get a better sense of who I am and stay a little bit more grounded as well. You know, that's very interesting, Stephen. As an entrepreneur, sometimes you need to have that spiritual sense of there's something higher than all of us, right? That keeps us going sometimes. Definitely, especially being a uh, an entrepreneur in tech, you definitely need something a little bit higher than yourself to keep you going. You know, that's very true. We have a handful of live listeners joining us. Hello, hello, welcome to the show. Please drop in a quick hello and the country that you're tuning in from. So Stephen gets a chance to know who his listeners are. So Stephen, let me ask you this. When you look at your journey as an Asian, you you were born in Vietnam, then you moved to the US at the age of three. When you look back at your journey, having crossed so many milestones now as an entrepreneur who's in the media spotlight, what is one thing, one unique value that you always believed in that has led to your success today? Wow, that's a great question. Um, Priyanka, you know, it's interesting as, as Asians, you know, um, culturally speaking, and I don't mean to generalize, but I think culturally speaking, we're always taught to be humble. We're always taught to um, grind, but not talk about it. And it's just a matter of duty to the family. You know, as a child, your duty is to honor your parents, honor your grandparents, honor your ancestors. So I didn't think much about, um, you know, the adversity that I kind of went through, um, you know, being a refugee, you know, we were, we're Chinese descent, but my family uh, lived in Vietnam. I was born there, immigrated to the U.S. when I was uh, roughly three years old, um, moved to Michigan and ultimately uh, traveled to California. I grew up in Oakland and, um, you know, there was a lot of assimilation that I had to do, you know, being in Michigan, we were the only, probably the only non-white in the entire Metro moving to Oakland. Um, it was, you know, the schools that I went to were mostly, um, black. So there was a, a lot of assimilation. And I think, um, it was actually in, in hindsight, it was actually difficult, um, trying to assimilate, trying to fit in. You know, in Oakland, it was all about, um, at that time, it was like during like the, what I would consider the golden age of hip hop, when hip hop music was really starting to, to, to brew. And, um, you know, I find myself thinking about, you know, how I navigated through the circumstances. And it's, um, you know, there were was, there was some painful moments, but I think overall, um, I was able to uh, make the best out of my situation and um, really find opportunity within the within the adversity so we can talk about, about that a little bit later as we uh dig a little bit deeper into my previous life doing music i know i love that part of it a hip-hop music producer turned fintech entrepreneur you know what a great paradigm shift you've been through yeah can we say hello we just give a couple of shout outs to uh oh eileen yep. and el paso that's a good friend yep. of mine so uh, we have lupe garcia who's saying hi hi lupe hey lupe all the way and, from El Paso. Yep, and we have Annie Haddock, who's joining us from Ontario, Canada. Hey, Annie. Annie, thanks for joining us. And we have Eileen Lozano, who's watching us from El Paso, Texas, who says, hi, Stephen. 
Yeah, those are those are my uh, my wonderful friends in Texas. They are part of the reason why I'm, you know, if I'm remotely successful, it's because of all of the people that back me up. So I love these people. That's awesome. And thank you so much for joining us. It, it means a lot when you have a tribe of people who are always supporting and cheering for you. Yeah, you, you can't do it without it. You know, I think so often we think that we're on this journey alone in this world. Um, and even, you know, in our darkest moments, in our most lonely moments, um, it's important to remember we're never alone. And um, people are always supporting us, you know, spiritually, you know, emotionally. Um, they're, they're always there. So I think that's one, one really a, a strong takeaway from my childhood as well. You know, as I, as I think back, there's always been people there, you know, holding me up. You know, that's, that's something that we all need. And I would encourage all of you to find your tribe. You know, that's something that keeps us going when we have adversity. Now, let's talk about FinTech. You know, I'm super excited to learn more about Kurakabe. So before we dive into this, Stephen, talk to us about the state of FinTech in the US as well as at a global scale. Yeah, you know, uh, the best way for me to de describe fintech right now is that fintech is touching every industry possible. You know, when you think about e-commerce, there's a fintech component. When you're thinking about uh, direct-to-consumer uh, direct banking, there's fintech. When you're talking about um, even vertical SaaS platforms, there's fintech involved in everything. Um, the opportunity now is for uh, two sides. Uh, on the legacy side, on the banking institutional side, there's an opportunity for, for these players to really step up and embrace some of the more radical ideas that are coming through. You know, we've, we, know, we know about crypto, it's been, a, it's, it's been around for a couple of years, but I think even beyond that, there are some very, very unique niche problems that could be solved um, by partnering with some of the legacy players. And then, you know, on the entrepreneurial side, there is a great opportunity too to think about fintech outside of fintech. So, for example, our company is a, a great example of that. You know, we solve problems for schools, right? But the way that we look at it, almost at every intersection of school administration, there's potentially a commerce-enabled component within that workflow stage. Uh, so we have done a good job of thinking about fintech outside of what someone would traditionally think as uh, just a banking relationship or a payments relationship. We really think about fintech as a component of solving a bigger problem. I mean, look, with the pandemic, right? Most most of the country has gone from uh, cash to checking basis onto a digital payments basis. So that's one example. Uh, PayPal comes to mind as a company that really took advantage of that chaos to revolutionize um, their top line revenues as well. So yeah, when I talk about fintech, state of fintech, um, the world is pretty much yours to, to grab right now if you have the correct set of solutions for the problems. You know, that's very interesting to hear. What is an opportunity that you're very excited about when you look at the future of fintech? Wow, that's a really great question. I would say um, integrated payments, or I would uh, another way to think about that is uh, commerce-enabled workflow. So again, I'll use our company, for example. We provide services to schools of all sizes. We solve problems such as um, compliance reporting, um, uh, application, online registration, uh, tuition management. So all of those things really accelerate the school's back office in terms of you know, getting cash flow faster, getting enrollment uh, online. All of those things we're solving for. But if you think about it, each piece of those 
specific stage in the workflow requires an embedded payment portion. Like it's very difficult to have a family sign up a Google form and then redirect them to the PayPal link. So I know it's, it sounds like it's just one step, but oftentimes that one step can cause the user experience to deteriorate. And that particular you know, extra step can make that payer, potential player drop. So you know, and that's a very interesting point because sometimes from my own personal experience, you know, you change your mind in that one quick moment where you're transitioning from that page to your payment page, right? So streamlining that experience would really help you get your user to make the payment rather than giving them that moment of should I do this or not? Yeah, you know, we're talking about the differences in clicks can change the opportunity to uh, either increase or decrease your top line revenue, just one click. Right, it's the consumer's buyer's choice, right? It is, it's, it is. It's very finicky. Extremely, yeah. So yeah, to go, going back to your, to your question, um, I think the opportunity is in um, embedded payments within workflow. And to the extent that you can verticalize that across many industries, there's construction, retail, you know, food, education. You know, those are some examples of various vertical industries that you can play. But I think you can play into almost any vertical industry. That's very interesting to hear. So what advice would you have for our listeners who are interested in, interested in pursuing a career in fintech? Where should they start? Is there a specific set of prerequisite skills that you're looking for when you're hiring people for your startup? Yeah, I can address this from two sides, right? So uh, from, the starter, the, from the startup founder side, I think it's absolutely critical that you become intimately involved with a problem set before you think about solving something. Because I think oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we look at the opportunity and say, okay, wow, this is a great idea. We should just do it without first being involved in the problem, right? So again, using our example um, at Curacubby, prior to founding the software company, I helped found a school for children with special needs. And it was in that context that we actually experienced all of these problems. And they were like huge problems, dynamic problems. And in trying to solve those problems, we then became intimately involved with how the problem set should be appropriately solved. So that's um, you know, my two cents to entrepreneurs. Be sure you are in the problem. Like roll your sleeves up, put your arm in mud, and be, get dirty with the problem. Um, on the other side, um, in terms of um, users, I think, you have to try to make it as simple as possible. So even though we are talking about fintech, to the extent that you can make it non-fintech for the users, that's better. Right, because for the end users, right, they don't care about you know the industry or the type of solution. All they need is just like, I need a solution for my problem. Yes, and make it easy, super simple and easy. Yeah, and we're, and, we're, and we're learning. You know, we we had a product. Uh, you know, the uh, the prototype stems back about five years, and even to this date, you know, you know, some of our listeners are, um, I think, some of our employees here as well. You know, they've had to deal with all kinds of legacy issues, like moving into um, twenty twenty one. The user base is expecting more simplification. They're expecting better ease of use. So we're trying our best at how do how do we take uh, a two-step UX down to a one-step UX. So all of those things are always um, on top of mind for us. You know, that's very important as well. So before I jump and learn more about Kurokabi, given that some of your some of your tribe and employees are on the live, you know, here's a request for all of you guys who are watching this. 
in one word how would you describe steven as a friend as a mentor as a as a boss at work and the reason why i'm asking this is i have a fun rapid fire round towards the end so i'm going to kind of get all these different perspectives about steven it's a it's a fun easter gift for you steven thank you thank you i'm looking forward to it <laughs> awesome so please drop in in the chat on youtube or linkedin just one word to describe steven and with that, I'm going to acknowledge a couple of other live listeners who've joined us. We have Satya K, who's joined us from India. Hey, Satya, welcome to the show. And we have Harsha Sastri, who's also joining us, who says, good questions and interaction, great episode. Thank you, Harsha. All right, see, I have responses pouring in, which we'll get to at the uh, towards the end of the show on, on more things about Stephen from his tribe. So Stephen, going back to our Kurakabi discussion. In one line, how would you describe your startup, Kurakabi? Um, Kurakabi is an integrated payments and business platform to help schools of all sizes optimize their operations. I love your rapid fire answers. Thank you. <laughs> and something that I'm very curious about: How did you coin this name, Kurakabi? Is there a backstory to to it? Well, there's a there's the there's a short answer and then there's a real answer. Okay, the short okay. answer was the the URL domain name was available. That's a short answer. Okay, you know that's how most of the best startups come <laughs> into existence, right? Right, and and the real answer is that we were we were um, when we first built the product it was really designed for early education and preschools, and we just wanted to to uh, do a play on words. And we're like, okay, if you're a child, when you come to the school. Where's the place where you would put all your precious stuff? It's in the cubby, right? You just go, you put your jacket in the cubby, you put your lunchbox in the cubby. And then we thought, wow, what would be like a great, like another word to, to another way to identify this cubby from the administrator standpoint. So we're like, oh, let's, let's look for Latin words. So we were looking for Latin words and, and the cura in Latin is uh, administrator or, or curator. So the administrator's cubby. So ultimately we're the place where school administrators will entrust all of their most valuable da data. I love the cubby story behind it. It's, it's fun from, you know, from the student's perspective as well as the, the administrative staff perspective as well. So let's get back to your uh, Asian roots where you talked about your influence through, um, you know, the influence of hip hop music in your life. So how did a hip hop musician, producer turn into a startup entrepreneur? When did that moment of epiphany happen to you? Yeah, you know, uh, Priyanka, this is a this is an interesting story. So I talked about, you know, um, first immigrating from, uh, so we left Vietnam because it was a political turmoil. Um, all of our family's property was being taken by the communist government, like literally overnight. So I don't remember any of this, but the story from my parents is that, you know, a friend came and says that, you know, you guys have to pack up all of your stuff tonight and leave, like on a boat, literally. So we traveled, um, I believe, to China, stayed in a refugee camp there uh, for, I think, less than a year, ultimately landed in Hong Kong. And then when we were in Hong Kong, we were also in a refugee camp. And um, fortunately, we were sponsored by a Christian family in, in Michigan, so we ended up moving there. So in Michigan, we were the only non-whites there. And um, I guess for whatever reason, it was too cold. And my family says, okay, we're, we're gonna find other Asian people somewhere in the country. We're gonna, we're gonna move there where it's warmer. So California, San Francisco happened to be the place. We had, had a um, family friend there that let us live with them uh, for about a year. So interestingly enough, and I'll come back to the hip hop, answer interestingly enough when we when we think about 
discrimination, we only often think about racial discrimination. But there's also an underlying layer of discrimination even within the Asian community. So for example, when we first came to California, there were lots of Asians here, but we were discriminated because we were like fresh off the boat, we were refugees. And the Asians that were here were already third, fourth generation Chinese. So, you know, they're like, we don't wanna hang out with you. You know, you're, you're, you're not like from here, you're from somewhere else. And these are, these are like Asian people here. So, you know, elementary school, you know, I remember like nobody wanted to be my friend. And then there was this kid, Trace, Trace Porter. He's, um, he, he's of mixed descent. His father's black, his, his mother's white. He was like one of the first people that came with me and said, hey, I want to be your friend. And I was like, cool, let's be friends. And then <laughs> as, I, as I experienced, you know, my middle school and my high school years, I just realized that, um, for what it's worth, all my friends were black because they just accepted me for like, okay, you're just, you're like this Chinese kid, but you're cool. You like our music, um, and and you know, I wanted so desperately to fit in, um, and I was really just trying to find a sense of who I who I who I am at that who I was and who I am at that at that moment. And really, what really spoke to me was was hip hop music, like like the the words, the context, the stories that was all coming out of the music. Really, it really meant something to me, and I really identified with it. You know, with the with the isolation, like being in the streets and and all of that stuff. So ultimately, um, I told my mom, I "Was like, look, it, when I grow up, I want to be a DJ." And she's like, "You're crazy. You're, you're gonna you're gonna go to school. You're gonna be a doctor or a lawyer." And I said, "No, I'm gonna be a DJ." So hey, come on, I, this is a conversation with an Asian mom, right? You got to fit into the STEM category. Oh my God, exactly. Um, so I was very rebellious. You know, um, fortunately, my father had a turntable. I don't know where he got it from, but um, I went. And um, took my birthday money and I went and bought some records and I just started to scratch on a turntable and you know fast forward a year, um, I was already doing high school dances when I was in middle school, and um, I hooked up with a uh, a number of uh, phenomenal rappers and we formed a, a hip hop group. Uh, by the time I was 16 years old, we were already producing music like out of my house at a studio. Um, and in 1995, we released our first album, uh, Closed Caption, The Harvest. Ultimately, that was picked up and, uh, and acquired by a, a distribution company. Um, so, you know, essentially I sold my record label and um, I used that money to put myself through college. And, you know, upon graduating from college, uh, something really cool came about. It was called the internet. And, and I thought, wow, what a cool thing. So, um, um, I didn't want to leave the music industry, but at that time it was, um, you know, just remember like Tupac was killed, Biggie was killed, it was getting very violent. And I was even at a concert in San Francisco where I was performing and gunshots rang out. And I remember carrying my records on my turntable, was running out of there, fearing for my life. So that was like a warning sign that I just had to leave that scene. So serendipity, the internet came about, you know, this is before Google. And I had an opportunity to join a startup to do technical recruiting in the Silicon Valley. Um, I did that for a year, um, and then ultimately um, started my own company, uh, which uh, Rocket Staffing at that point was very successful as well. And then the economy crashed. So I had to pivot, and I went from technical recruiting back into something um, that was re really meaningful to me as well, which is fitness. Um, so side note, I was uh, paralyzed with Guillain-Barre syndrome when I was in the seventh grade, so I was, couldn't walk. So fitness ultimately helped me get my self-esteem back and get me back into a, 
positive state of growth. So I thought, you know, here's here's a here's a sign from the universe. The economy is crashing. You know, people are going to be depressed. What can you do to contribute? Well, health and wellness is always something that everyone needs. So we started a fitness company. Kept that one going for um, wow, almost 17 years. We sold it in 2019, right before the pandemic. Um, and it was during that time that uh, my son was diagnosed with autism and we were looking for uh, a school. We couldn't find one, so we built our own. And from the school, we learned about all the problems with FinTech and education. And um, that was the inception of Kirokabi. It's been, it's been a long journey. I know, and you know, thanks for sharing that you know, very intimate, candid story, you know, of, of your son and how you've been looking at, you know, how to solve some of the challenges that come around it. And, you know, that's how the best entrepreneur stories come into limelight, right? It's it's not because you you are, you are here for the profits. I mean, that's just part of the process, but you're here on a mission to solve some of the pressing challenges. And sometimes they come from our own life. They stem from our own experiences. Yeah, Priyanka, I think that's why we've, we've just kept grinding, you know, it, it was, you know, we could have given up um, a long time ago. You know, we were part of the Investnet Yotli Incubator. And I remember there are, you know, eight startup companies there. I think there's only three that are still around. So, yeah, we could have waved our hands a long time ago. Like, look, this is too hard. We're going to give up. But when you when you fight for a, a greater good or a greater mission, um, you know, yeah, everybody loves profits. You know, I, I love a, pro a good profit, right? But at the end of the day, if it's only profit-driven, then you have the opportunity to bow out at any time. If it's mission driven, then there's something greater than the sense of self that's that's pushing you towards that that goal. I know, and thank you so much for sharing that story. It means a lot for us when we hear from our wonderful guests that you know there's there are a lot of challenges that they face in life that you don't get to see as part of your success. Uh, but I'm super honored. Thanks for sharing that with us. Well, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. I appreciate you giving me a platform to speak out about these things. You know, it's not it's not often that we get an opportunity, you know, with uh, you know, more of an extended platform to share these things, you know. Uh, you know, a lot of time when you're in the press, they just give you like 60 seconds to tell your whole life story. So having an extended platform like this is is really critical. So thank you. Thank you so much. So tell us this, you know, the theme of this episode that I wanted to get from you is how do you find opportunity in chaos? You know, as a parent, when you're dealing with certain life-changing challenges and as a startup entrepreneur, when there's a lot of uncertainty, especially with COVID, what is one thing that keeps you grounded to find more opportunity, having that mission-driven approach? Yeah, you know, personally, I, I draw a lot of inspiration um, from my tribe. You know, I, you know, when I wake up in the morning, um, a million things are crossing my mind. Uh, most of the things are like the things that I didn't do right from the previous week uh, and, and, and problems that we're going to encounter tomorrow. So I, I try to think about who's in this journey with me so that I'm not alone, you know? So like, you know, Eileen is on this call, Lupe's on this call. These are the people that support me day in and day out. And I know that, um, I know that I'm not alone, and that's that's going to be the most important thing. And I'll say this again and again over this podcast: that as an entrepreneur, it is a lonely place, really, really lonely place. Um, you know, you, you have you basically have two duties: one, to report to your investors, and two, to make sure that all your employees 
can pay their rent and their mortgage. You know, those are the two over, overwhelming duties that we're burdened with every morning when we wake up. So when there's a lot of chaos or, or chaotic thinking, um, what I have done to ground myself is to think about my tribe and think about how, well, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I want this to be a harmonizing effect where everyone wins. Um, but at the same time, it's not all about me. It's about, hey, Eileen has amazing talents. Lupe has, you know, all of this, you know, technical skill set in her mind. I can draw these qualities from my tribe and they can help me. So having that as part of my faith is what gets me through the chaotic moments. And this is something which I feel is golden nugget that all our listeners need to note it down when we face uncertainty, right? Because everybody has to go through the grind and hustle, but how do you keep yourself emotionally, mentally, physically balanced? You know, that sets apart entrepreneurs like you, Stephen. Thank you so much. Oh, Awesome. So we have a flood of comments here, which I'm going to acknowledge. So we have a couple of live listeners also joining us. And Satya K says, very interesting interview. Thank you, Satya. We have Harsh Purohit, who's joining us from Richmond, Virginia. Hi, Harsh. Welcome to the show. We have Karthik, who's one of our new and loyal listeners of our show, who says, uh, great session. It's amazing to listen from someone who moved from hip-hop culture to being a technical person. Thank you, Karthik, for joining us from India. Um, quick comment from Annie, who says, mission-driven is what keeps things going during the uh, downturns. And we have Harsh Purohit who says, 100% agree with that, Annie. And we have Ralph Gracie, who's joining us from Berkeley, who's giving us fist bumps, three yes. fist bumps here. I want to give a shout out to that. I know that's, my, that's one of my best friends, Eduardo Fraga. He's, uh, he's with the, Half, the Ralph Gracie team in, in Berkeley. That's been one of my best friends for, oh gosh, over 20 years. Um, Eduardo, big shout out to you. You inspired me. He's an amazing jiu-jitsu instructor and competitor, one of my best friends. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us from Berkeley as well. And it's, it's good to hear more about you know, people in your tribe. And they get to see the other side of you as well today. Yeah, thank you. All right. So one last question I have for you, Stephen, is how do you handle low moments in your life? Uh, you know, you've talked about how do you ground yourself. But you know, when there are moments where you want to give up, you know, how do you personally handle it and with a smile? Yeah, this happens all the time on a daily basis. There are low moments uh, every, every single day. Um, so it's, I don't have all the answers, but this is one of the ways that I, I have dealt with it. Um, it is cultivating a sense of, um, I know this sounds so cliche-ish, but I'll say it's mindfulness. You know, I, I am finding myself meditating at least once a day, some, oftentimes two or three times a day. And it's just about discerning the difference between reality, feelings, and emotions. And oftentimes as individuals in high stress environments, we tend to think all three of those things are the same, but they're not, and they're really not. And um, you know, we have a choice too. We can, we can choose happiness or we can choose despair, but it's not, that choice is not easy to make. So to the extent that we can ground ourselves through, you know, closing our eyes and just breathing and just focusing on like 
this is reality. Reality is right here, right now. If we project too far into the future, that becomes anxiousness. If we regress too far in the past, that becomes depression. So um, it's, it's behavioral, cognitive behavioral therapy, I think, uh, ultimately. Um, and we have to practice. And it is a practice. It's not like something that you can just think it through. You have to practice it through. Um, and it's very difficult. You know, it's very, very difficult. I, I hit those every single day. Um, uh, but again, I draw a lot of power and inspiration from my tribe. And I, and, I, and I put them into my meditation as well. You know, I totally agree with this because, you know, if I spend 10, 15 minutes every day first thing meditating, I feel I'm in control of my day. Even when things don't go my way, you know, I, you don't react immediately. But it takes a long period of practice where you just sit, sit in calmness and, you know, try to um, not go into the past, not go into the future, but just stay in that moment. And, you know, the, your brain is so fickle-minded, Stephen. You know, that's how we learn. It's like jumping like a monkey and then you have to calm it down. And I'm in that mindful journey process as well. So I can really resonate with what you're saying. It's so difficult. It is exactly right. It's like a monkey jumping from like, you know, thought to thought. And it's like very difficult, very difficult to control. I know. All right. So we've uh, neared the end of the episode. So we have a fun rapid fire on for you. Are you ready for it? Oh my God. Rapid fire. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> and we're going to read out some of the answers from your tribe as to how do you describe Steven? So anybody else who's joined us live, who's not part of Steven's tribe yet, but have been inspired by his story, drop in one word in which, um, you know, how you see Stephen, you know, as part of him sharing his story. And we're going to read them out in a quick couple of minutes. All right. So fun rapid fire run for you, Stephen. Tell us the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following. And in one word, who's your role model? Uh, two people, Mark Brito, Gary Marino. What does happiness mean to you? Oof. Uh accepting change and choosing progress how do you define success <sighs> cultivating harmony for the greater good what is one fun thing about steven that is exclusive to our career leadership business maybe you can talk a little bit about your astrology as well <laughs> i'm fascinated by astrology uh, it has really helped me uh, understand myself better as well as my relationship with other people so I'm curious, do you predict the future with astrology, given that you're trying to be in the <laughs> present moment? I do not predict the future. I don't, I don't use astrology as like um, destin destiny or fate. I, I use it as, um, as a, a way to understand um, various people's um, archetypes. So, you know, um, you know every zodiac uh, has, an, has an archetype and there's all these planets that aspect the zodiac. So uh, to me, it's a, ultimately it becomes an algorithm and it's, uh, it's just it's super fascinating for me. That's awesome. So our last question, and I'm gonna read out some of uh, your tribe's answers as well. And our last chance for some of our live listeners to talk, to share in one word, how do you see Stephen? So Stephen, the question for you is, what is your native language and one word to describe yourself in it? Uh, my native language is Cantonese. That was the first language uh, I, I learned. Uh, I can speak it. I cannot write it. Um, I can speak it very limitedly now. Unfortunately, I wish I learned to write it. And then uh, let's see, one word that describes me. Mm -hmm. um, inquisitive. That's awesome. So here I'm going to share your Easter gifts from your tribe. 
We have Eileen, and the question that I asked them was, how would you describe Stephen in one word? So Stephen is caring, uh, is what Eileen is saying. And Eileen also says, he'll always show up for you. Lupe Garcia says, Stephen is driven. That's awesome. Harsh, who is our Karyop leadership fan, uh, says you're resilient. And Annie, who says, my first time listening to the show, I saw the pre-show live on LinkedIn half hour before, and I decided to have a listen. Thank you so much, Annie, for sharing that wonderful thought. Hey, the way we are trying to get our stories is working, Stephen. So it's, it's working. we got to keep going. Yes. <laughs> I know. Uh, that's awesome. So those are some of the responses that were shared by your tribe. Thank and you. I'm super humbled by it. You guys are too kind. Awesome, man. Annie also says uh, her mother tongue is Cantonese too, and she can really? read like Chinese. Okay, Annie, we got to hook up on LinkedIn. You have to, you have to teach me. <laughs> you know, that's the best part, right? You can learn from our listeners as well. So the way Annie is describing you is Stephen has a purpose. There you go. Thank you. And to our listeners, do follow Stephen Kong on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, it's always nice for our guests to connect with our listener base as well. So feel free to send him a LinkedIn request there. And we have... Richard Tien, who says, Steve's always been my role model. Thank you, Is that Richard. a surprise? <laughs> That's a surprise. I thought he hated me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. You never know. Um, yeah. We have one question um, from Karthik, if you would like to take this on. Absolutely. We discussed about our brain hopping from one thought to the other. What is one best practice that you can share with our listeners on that? Wow. That's, uh, that's a really, really great question. Um, I don't think I have like um, like a definitive answer, but I can try to uh, explain to you what what I do. Um, first, I will I will try uh, meditation uh, in in the most practical way. Like I'll use the Calm app and just kind of follow the instructions. But I do oftentimes find a lot of like uh, troubling thoughts that come into my mind, and when that happens, I will shut off the app. And I'll open my eyes and I'll, I'll, I'll recite something to myself, like accept it, let it through, let, let all the horrible feelings come through, accept it and let it pass. This too shall pass. And then you do that for three minutes, five minutes, you just get all of those things out and then you go back to the meditation. So um, in other words, try not to resist those feelings and, and those thoughts. You know, psychologically, that's what they say. You got to get those emotions into your body and sit with it rather than yes. trying to resist it. Because the more you resist it, the more hard it's going to be for you to accept some of those feelings. Yeah, you know, uh, Priyanka, I want to say this. Yesterday, I had a great conversation with an older gentleman. He's a really wise guy. And he told me something that I've never heard before. He said that as human beings, our capacity is to experience the full spectrum of feelings and emotions. Everything from sadness to anger to shame to uncertainty to doubt, all of these, it is part of our responsibility to experience the full spectrum. But for some reason, we were never given the okay as children to experience these things, right? As children, I was like, get it together, pick it up, you know, let's keep going. Yeah, you can do this. Don't think about these things. And what he told me yesterday was like, hey, if you're feeling these things, it just means that you are tapping into the full spectrum of your capabilities. That's all that it means. And that was an aha moment for me. I never thought about it like that. You know, that's a very interesting you know, nugget that we all need to keep in mind, especially during these challenging COVID times. It's okay to 
to be human and feel those feelings because most times we feel like, oh, that's sadness, that's anger, and that's not my cup of tea. Yes. But then, you know, that's what makes you human. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. So that brings us to the end of our episode, Stephen. This was such a wonderful, uh, you know, rendezvous for me, especially getting to know you and your hip hop journey and, you know, now as a fintech entrepreneur. What are your parting thoughts to our listeners? Um, well, one, I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to be in um, a time where there is a lot of chaos because within chaos is where we seek opportunity. Uh, Priyanka, I want to thank you for hosting this uh, amazing podcast to give Asian leaders an opportunity to um, express our gratitude and to share our experiences. So viewers out there, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Korea podcast. Find Priyanka on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter. She's all over social media. Um, and I just um, I want to give a shout out to all of my friends that are here supporting me this morning and um, all the new friends that I met um, on chat as well. You guys are amazing. And if, if I'm successful, it's because of my tribe, uh, my inner tribe, and my extended tribe. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Stephen. And drum roll, we have our free mentoring session, our one-on-one -on -one giveaway with Stephen. And everybody's welcome to connect with Stephen, but I have one lucky listener who's going to get a little bit of special treatment, right, as a career leadership guest. And I'm going to give that away to Karthik for his question about, you know, how do you get into this mindful state? And hope, Karthik, you will enjoy getting to know more of Steven. Uh, Karthik is from India and a recent listener of our Career Leadership Podcast. But he's been a loyal supporter of us, so we would love for him to get to know you better. That's perfect. I look forward to it. Awesome. So we'll connect you with Karthik. So Karthik, congratulations. And we have a couple of closing comments, which I'm going to read. Eileen says, great interview, Priyanka. Thank you. When I have an amazing guest like Steven, that makes it easier for me, huh? Oh my gosh, I'm so humble. Thank you. <laughs> we have Satya who says, wonderful interview and informative. Uh, thank you, Satya. We have Harsh Purohit who says, thanks, God bless everyone. And Lupa Garcia who says, I love seeing a new side to Steven and I'm so grateful to work alongside him. And a lucky listener. There you go. He has a... Uh, a big comment here. Let's see if I can do a chat overlay. And okay, he says, listening to Steve's story, I feel inspired. And thanks for answering the questions. And both of you guys are amazing. So thank you so much, Karthik, for that wonderful uh, share as well. And we'll connect you with Steven so you can claim your free mentoring session. So this was the 106th episode of Career Leadership Podcast with Stephen Kong. And you know, for me, the, the key takeaway is being resilient amidst challenges. And it's hard, but that's how you create an impact in the society. So that's the one key takeaway that I'm going to leave our listeners with. Until another episode that's going to happen next Sunday. So we live stream every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 p.m. Indian Standard Time. So this could be your bedtime routine. You know, we'll put you to sleep with wonderful stories from the Asian diaspora across the world. So to get all those notifications, you got to follow me, Priyanka Komla, and a Career Leadership Podcast page on LinkedIn to receive your LinkedIn Live notifications. So if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and give us a subscribe and a like. And for all our podcast lovers all over the world, give us a follow and a review and a rating. So this helps us understand how this podcast is helping you become a better version of yourself. Until another episode happening next Sunday with a tech leader with uh, Hewlett Packard HP. We have Aarti Garg, who's going to share wonderful lessons from her tech journey. 
So we'll see you next week. And until then, this is your host, Priyanka Kumla, signing off from Career Leadership Podcast, a podcast spotlight purpose-driven Asian leaders making an impact. Thank you. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for joining us.